0: Psalm 25, Um, while we're opening up our Bibles to Psalm 25, I I love when we're worshiping God and I know a lot of people aren't here while they're running through their final practice on Sunday mornings or on Thursday nights when they're practicing, whatever night of the week they come together and practice. I know not everybody's here, but there is a whole different sound from worship between when they're here in the morning, running through their practice, their final run-throughs, and when we're worshiping God together, it's a completely different sound. Uh, first of all, in the building itself, because now we, we're full of people in the building, but also when, like even during the last song, where we're singing and praising God, and we get to that point and the word ends, and then it just—you can hear the congregation for that le- next couple seconds just roll through the building and hit the ceiling and that sound just rolls through the building and I know for me it really touches my heart when I hear hear that because I know that know the the difference between what happens at 8 o'clock and what's happening at 10 o'clock from a worship perspective and it's reflective of where our hearts are during worship and where the congregation where we are as a people praising God and so I, I just want to share I'm blessed by that just When I hear that, right when we end that sentence, especially when we're all acoustic, I mean, all all the guitars are stopped and it's just vocals and you hear the praises of God just roll through the building and hopefully it warms your heart as well. Psalm 25 and you, Lord, let's turn to God's word and I'm going to read through this passage. We're going to allow God to speak to us above and beyond what he already has. And, And I, in no way, stand up here and Pretend that God starts speaking when I walk up on this platform. Hopefully, God has been speaking to you, and you've been hearing um, from Him even while we sing our praises to Him. God's Word says, "To you, O Lord, I lift my up my soul; in you I trust, O my God. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame, but they will be put, but they will be put to shame who are treacherous without excuse." Show me your ways, O Lord, teach me your paths, guide me in your truth, and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, O Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from old. Remember not the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you are good, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful for those who keep the demands of his covenant. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you to allow your Holy Spirit to speak to us through your word. Through the Bible that you have given to us words of instruction written to people thousands of years ago and yet you bring them alive in our heart today so we may we may we find your truth this morning as we reflect on you as we continue to focus our hearts on you we ask this in Jesus name Amen So I titled my sermon this morning, In You, Lord, for two reasons, two basic reasons. The first one is pretty simple. It's the first three words of the psalm, In You, Lord. You know, if you're reading from uh, one translation, To You, Lord, but In in You, Lord. And so that's one basic reason why I I went there. But the other reason is because without these words that are at the beginning of the uh, the psalm, To You, Lord, or In You, I believe the rest of the psalm just falls apart. And we can't get very far unless we start at the point of, in you, Lord. And I want to explain that with something that I read this week that caught my attention. There were some words that were shared, that were written to encourage other, uh, other Christian people. And I was reading these words, and it was based on the beginning of Lent uh, on Ash Wednesday. And as I was reading these words, I found a little sentence there that, that said, Find your strength in each other that we would find our strength in each other. Now, I found those words very interesting because it was directed to people of Christian faith and for us to find our strength in each other. And it only takes a couple of minutes to get on the Internet, to open up whatever Bible application that you have and start searching on the word strength, and very quickly you find that we don't find our strength in each other. Yet these words were written to Christian people and that during these times and during these hard times that we were walking through and as we enter into the period of Lent, Lent, that we would find our strength in each other. And so with my quick little word search, right away I come across 1 Chronicles 16.11. Look to the Lord and His strength. Seek His face always. Now I'm parsing at words and I'm picking at this phrase That I heard this week and I read this week about finding strength in each other. Well, yes, I am. But in the same time, I see that there is a huge, huge difference between find your strength in each other and finding our strength in God. That's a huge difference. And our psalm starts out and talks about in you, Lord. You know, there's all kinds of things that we can do together. There's all kinds of things that we can do. A long list of things. I know if I took my list of talents and I started writing down, these are the things that I can do. I know my at my barber, he had a book that it was like fifty things that every man should know how to do. And I started skimming through and there was some crazy things in there and I was like, Oh, I don't know how to do that one yet. But if we if I took my list of things to do and you took your list of things that you can do and we put them together, we'd have an even bigger list. Right? Hey, we're stronger together because we can accomplish more together. If I take all of my ideas and you take all of your ideas and take the ideas here and ideas here and we bring them all together, wow, can't we conquer the world with all of our great ideas and all of the things that we can come up with together. We put our collective minds together. We can solve any problem that that, that is there. And I say all those things in a lighthearted way because I can come up with any kind of slick saying and any kind of fanciful saying, but when I... I, i'm hitting my wire today so i apologize for that i'll move the microphone and flip it around the other direction this is my fault because i hit the antenna with my arm and there you go end of commercial (laughs) hopefully it's better that way with the antenna but when i do things in my strength and i make my list and take your list and we bring them together and come up with these all kinds of fancy sayings of can't we just conquer the world if we put all these great ideas together I'm leaving a big part of the equation out in you, Lord, in you, Lord, and I'm leaving God out of it. And so there is a big difference between finding our strength in each other and in you, Lord. And so this morning when we look at this psalm from King David, and he writes Psalm 25, and we have it here in front of us today to look at. It's about the King of Kings. It's about the Lord of Lords. This isn't a psalm about how good David is. This isn't a psalm about Saul has killed his hundreds and David has killed his thousands. It's not a psalm about how great a mighty warrior David is and how great a guy he is and he can, he can do anything. This is a psalm about in you, Lord, about God. And so as I was looking through this psalm, and all of a sudden it it fell apart for me, this psalm, into four simple little sections. And I want us to look at those sections, and I believe it will tie into what we were singing even this morning, and the worship that we were praising God with and understanding where this psalm is. And so hopefully this morning we can go on this journey and go through this psalm and reflect on where we are at in our perspective of God and how God can work in our lives. And I want to start off and talk about our anchor. We start off with our anchor. In the first couple of verses, we see some words of trust, and we see words of hope that are there. We place our hope and our trust in all kinds of things. I I know we don't normally sit back and think about it, but we do. How's your retirement fund doing? I know people that look at their retirement fund every single day. Some people I know that look at it every hour and they watch it throughout the whole day. They set up alerts on their retirement fund to send it to their, and it beeps on, oh, my stock's up today. Nope, nope, my stock's down today. And, and they, they have a trust in that. How's your retirement fund doing? I ask a hard question. This, one, this is a question that hits some of us really hard. How's your health? How's your health today? How's your health today? How's your to-do list? We place, our, we place our, our trust and our hope in a lot of things. How's your to-do list? I know for men, hey, I have 20 things to do, and I got 18 of them done. I'm moving forward. I'm getting stuff accomplished. And depending on where we put our trust, depending on where we put our hope, we can come up with completely different answers of where our anchor is. But life really comes down to where our anchor is. I'm going to go really dismal for you for a minute because I think there's a subject we need to talk about and we don't, we don't talk about. Did you know that 150,000 people died yesterday in the world? On average. Do you know that today another 150,000 people will die in the world? On average. That's the average death rate every day in the world. Did you know? Did you know that you're going to die? And so am I we don't talk about this. When we sit down at the dinner table and we don't talk about death, I believe there's a reason that we don't talk about death. And the reason is, we're afraid of it. We're afraid of it. There is a fear of death, and it exists in our world. And because there's a fear of something, if I don't talk about it, then I don't have to face it. And it's when that reality comes, when a loved one passes away, For a couple of days, we will talk about death. And we'll talk about where our hope is, and we'll talk about where our trust is. But then we move on from the subject, and we try to get on with life. And I know it's a grim subject, and it's a hard subject. I was reading through a passage of Scripture yesterday, and I came across this Scripture verse. I know I've read it before, but I want you to hear this verse in the Bible. This is what Jesus has done for us. It's Hebrews 3, 15. Hebrews 3.15, talking about Jesus, our great high priest. He came and he, here's the verse, and freed those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Did you know that Jesus came to free you and to free me from the slavery of the fear of death? Hebrews 3.15. Now that's a great and mighty work of God. But I don't think that that happens until we set our anchor in God. Until we completely trust in God and our hope is completely in God, we don't get freed from that. And when we sit with the fear of death, then I have to come back and ask the question, where's our anchor? Where is our trust? Where is our hope? As the psalmist cries out, in you I trust, oh my God. Don't let me be put to shame. Don't, don't let my enemies triumph over me. In you, I hope. There's an old song. And I'll get my phone out and I'll share a new song as well. But this old song asks some questions. And I want us to be able to answer those questions in our own hearts as I ask these, ask these questions from this old song. You may recognize it. Will your anchor hold in the storms of life when the clouds unfold their wings of strife. When the storm's tides lift and the cables strain, will your anchor drift or firm remain? We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll, fastened to the rock. It's a capital R. Fastened to the rock that cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. Will your anchor hold? Will your anchor really hold in the storms of life? Will we really stand steadfast? We sang a a song from David Crowder this morning. There's no space that his love can't reach. There's no place that we can't find peace. There's no end to amazing grace. Take me in your arms, spread wide. Take me like an orphan child. Never let go, never leave my side. That's his commitment that's his commitment to us I don't even have to pray and ask God for that because he has promised us to never leave us nor forsake us I never have to utter a prayer Lord please don't leave me Lord please don't forsake me why because God has promised me he will never leave me nor forsake me that's who God is I don't have to pray for God to change from who he is But the course goes on, holding on to you. I am holding on to you. In the middle of the storm, I am holding on. I am. See, God's promised to never leave us or forsake us. He is the place where we put our anchor. The problem becomes, am I holding on to him? I don't question the fact that he is the solid rock that doesn't move. The question becomes, am I standing on the solid rock with all of my trust and all of my hope? He's our anchor. I like the pictures. You see them every once in a while. I haven't seen any lately, but have you seen the pictures where people go and they're protesting something? We don't have a big pole around here anywhere. They're protesting something and they put their arms around the pole and they handcuff themselves to it. Have you seen those crazy, crazy kinds of pictures? You know, they're hugging the tree and they all handcuff each other to it. Or they're, they're standing you know, they're in front of the court steps and they handcuff themselves all to the pole. And I give it to those people. They're anchored. They believe in something so strong that they're willing to handcuff and bolt themselves and tie themselves up and, and really firmly, firmly stick to something. But it made me think, are we holding on to God in such a way? Are we holding on to our Lord and Savior in such a way that God who has promised to never leave us and forsake us? And then on the first bright, sunshiny day, we're running off and chasing our next fancy and our next whim and going whatever direction we want. And it's when the storms of life blow again, then we run back and then we put the anchor in. I want to tell you, I can't even get to the rest of this psalm unless we answer the question, my anchor, my hope, my trust is in God and God alone. And doesn't go anywhere else we have to sit there and then we can move on to the rest of the psalm rest of the psalm does not work without God as our anchor and putting our trust in God he is the anchor but then from there we move on and we have an ask we have our ask before God King David throws out three things that he's asking for it's really one thing but he throws it out in three different ways in verse 4 and verse 5 he says show me your ways show show me your ways O Lord then he says teach me your paths teach me your past and then the third one is guide me in your truth and teach me again show me lord teach me lord guide me lord he's asking for these three things and i I believe they're really one thing but he says it in three different ways for god to teach him and guide him and show him his ways we can ask god for all kinds of things and we do ask god for all kinds of things rescue me lord from this mess that i made i've made a mess of things lord get me out of this somehow lord save me from this mess we ask God to keep us from sin. I think that's a good and honest prayer to ask God for, to keep us from sin. Lead us not into temptation, to keep us from sin. We ask God for good health. I ask God every week to put a hedge of protection around all of us. I believe that's a good prayer to ask God for. He's promised to, to protect us, and I want to ask for him and his favor to shine on us and the heads of protection around us. We ask for all kinds of other things as well. We ask for God to, to heal us, to give us good health. I was joking this morning. I didn't know how to spell it, so I didn't put it in my sermon, but I can say it. We ask God, hey, God, put a Lamborghini in my driveway and the key's under the doormat. I put down Dodge Viper because I could spell that, but a Lamborghini works. You know, Cadillac Escalade. And I'm not complaining with God's provision in my life, but they're the kind of things we pray for. And we ask God for all these crazy things. When's the last time you cried out to God and said, and said to God, Show me your ways, O Lord. Think about that prayer. When is the last time you cried out to God, Guide me in your truth? Guide me in your truth, O God. We cried out to God and said, Teach me your paths. It's not an easy ask to go to God with. And I know we don't normally pray along those lines. But I know the more that we do pray along those lines, and the more that we go that direction, and the more that we have that ask and go before God with with to teach us and to show us and to guide us, to instruct us in His ways, when we get to those points, we won't struggle with things that we find in God's Word. And I know when we're asking God to instruct us and to teach us, we're not going to struggle with things where someone says that Jesus is the only way to heaven. You'll say, yeah, because God's taught me and he's shown my heart that is the truth. We won't struggle with knowing and understanding that the scripture of God is God-breathed. is useful for instructing and teaching and training in righteousness. And we won't struggle with it. We won't struggle opening up the word of God because we're asking God to teach us and instruct us. When we pray along those lines for God to show us his ways and to teach us his paths and to guide us in truth, we'll begin to fully understand Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. His word is shining right there for me to take the next step. You want to see that verse come alive in your life? His word is a lamp for my feet. I need to see where I'm going. And see what the next step is so I don't trip and fall. And a light for my path. I also need to see down the trail a little bit to make sure there's not a bear coming out to devour me. Or Satan, a roaring lion, seeking to and fro, looking for whom he can devour. You get both pictures of it, and the more we go to God and say, God, show me your ways, teach me your ways, guide me in your ways, and God's word comes alive in our lives, and it becomes that light for our feet to take the next step, and a lamp shining down the path that says, hey, don't go down there, that's dangerous. Let's go over this way. And God comes alive in our lives. Today is the first Sunday in Lent, 40 days of Lent, when we have a focus over this period of six weeks. We prepare ourselves for Easter. We get our hearts prepared for Easter It's through prayer, repentance, almsgiving, simple living, self-denial. We focus on God throughout the period of Lent for these 40 days. Getting ready for Easter Sunday. I wonder, and I thought, how different would my life be if for the 40 days of Lent, each and every day, I woke up and said, God, teach me your ways. If I woke up every morning and said, God, God me in your truth, how would your life change? How would Easter Sunday be different than February 21st if each and every day through Lent we prayed to God and said, God, teach me your ways? That's a simple prayer. It's a simple ask to go before God with. And I know it's an, an ask that we go before God with, and I know it's one that he will honor We have an anchor in the Lord, and we start with that anchor, and we stand firm. Then we take our ask, and we lay them at His feet. And it moves forward from there. We have this awareness of God, our awareness of God that comes forward for us. Verses 6 and 7 start to talk about the awareness of God, where King David cries out and says, Remember, O Lord, Your great mercy and love. Remember not the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways, According to your love, remember me. Do you get the remember me, remember, remember, remember? I don't think those words are there for God to remember. I think those words are there for King David to remember. I think those words are there for us to remember, for us to be aware, for us to have an awareness of how great God is and how great his love and mercy is for us. It's a reminder of what God has done in our lives. It's a reminder that God's love and mercy has saved us. Don't remember, Lord. Don't remember the sins of my youth. They're under the blood of Jesus, and He has forgiven us. He has covered our sins. We are cleansed. We are forgiven. Remember your mercy, God, for us. You know, the same mercy that was shown to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, the same mercy that was was shown to King David when he sinned, the same mercy that was shown throughout every generation as we read through the Bible, the same mercy that was given to us on the cross when Jesus died for our sins on the cross and shed his blood for us, that same mercy, the same mercy that we find at the mercy seat that washed away our sins once and forevermore. Lord, remember your mercy for us. And it's a reminder an awareness back to our own hearts that God has forgiven us and God has cleansed us and God doesn't count our sins against us. Second Corinthians 5.19 reminds us that God is not counting our sins against us. God's not up there with a little ticker saying, oh, he did it again. That's one. Oh, he did it again. That's two. Oh, I saw which way he looked at her. That's number three. Oh, yep, he lied about that. That's number four. And God's not up there with a ticker counting our sins against us. Remember, Lord, your love and your mercy for us, your forgiveness for us. It's healthy for us to have an awareness of God, his mercy and his love. has brought us to this reconciled relationship with God. It's good for us to have an awareness of God that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's good for us to have a healthy awareness of God that it's for by grace you have been saved. Through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. To keep all of those things in our heart and to remember the mercy and love of God that keeps getting poured out for us is the great mercy of God that opens up the door to heaven that we walk through by faith. We have an anchor. We have our ass that we sit before God. We have this awareness that God brings about in our heart. I like the fact that at the end of the Psalm, these first ten verses, we find our answers. I said, what would our life be like if we prayed that prayer every day during Lent to teach me your ways? God answers that prayer. In the last verses here, verses 8 through 10, we have our answers. The promises of God. We have good and upright is the Lord. A good and upright God, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his ways. There's the answer. If I'm going to go to God and say, God, show me your ways, what does a loving God do? He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his ways. There's the answer for us. I want to read some verses from Revelation chapter 3. There's a passage about the church in Sardis, where John wrote down the words of Jesus when Jesus is talking to the church in Sardis. And I want us to hear these words of what he said in Revelation chapter 3. Starting in verse 1, To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of God. Now here's the key verse that I want us to hear. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard And his angels. And I'm not saying to build a whole theology on one passage of Scripture, but there's a lot of theology, a lot of God talk inside that one passage of Scripture. That verse 3 kicks me. Remember, remember what you have received and heard. Hold it fast. And repent. The answer comes to us. God is willing to instruct us. God is willing to guide us. God is willing to teach us. We need to hold on to it and live it out. And if we're not, we repent. The Sardis church gives us that stern warning. They reached a point where they were good at doing all kinds of stuff. Jesus says, hey, I see your deeds. I see what you're doing but I know you're not holding on to the things that I taught you. God gives us an answer for us to follow him and to follow his words and to live those words then out in our lives. And when we're not, we repent. We kick back to point number three, God's love and mercy pouring out over us. Whenever we're willing to turn to God, repent, to turn to God, God's love and mercy poured out over us, forgiving us and cleansing us from all unrighteousness. And then we get back to listening to God's instruction, our answers, where God guides us in his truth. And it circles back around. Will I pray for it? And will I allow God to give me awareness? And will I allow God to instruct me? So what do we do with all of this? What do we do with all of this? I think we have to stop and look at where we're at today. As I said at the beginning, all of this falls apart. All of this falls apart. We don't start with in you, Lord, and then start with an anchor. That's where we have to look at today. It is my hope, it is my trust in God alone? And if it's not, then we correct it. We ask for God to forgive us. We ask for God to put us on the right path. We ask for God to direct us. We start with putting our hope and trust in God, our anchor, and we don't ever walk away from the hope and trust that we have in God. We hold continuously onto the hope that one day when Christ appears, we shall be like him. There's hope. See, I know I joked about a Lamborghini in the driveway. If that's my hope, it's going to crash and it's going to burn. That's the reality. If that's my hope and I put it out there as an exaggeration. If I find a matchbox Lamborghini in my driveway, I'm gonna really kick some of that. Don't don't go there. Don't go there. I, I know you people too well. Don't go there. But if that's my hope, it's going to crash and burn. But if my hope is set on God, that one day I will stand in his presence. And the scripture tells me that one day Christ will appear and we shall be like him. There's the hope. That hope can't be taken away from you. It can't be taken away from me. Nothing can take that hope away. No matter what happens. When all of the other frivolous stuff falls away, that hope remains. Set your anchor. Set your anchor in God and in that hope. And with our anchor set, don't be shy in asking God, show me your ways. Take that ask to God, show me your ways. Show me your ways. Don't ever walk away from the trust and hope you have in God. And have that anchor set, asking God to show us our ways. Show us his ways. Be aware of who God is and then enjoy God answering your prayer I have to ask myself the question and I ask you the same one what is your prayer today I know some of us have said all kinds of prayers already today what is your prayer today what's your prayer tomorrow I know for me I'm gonna start asking God more show me your ways and I pray that you do the same. Let's pray before God. Heavenly Father, show me your ways. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth. And teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Lord, may those prayers sit in our heart and be firm in our heart. May that be a prayer that we're willing to utter each and every day to you. Lord, and as the psalmist cried out, in you, Lord, in you, Lord. Lord, you are our anchor. You are the solid rock on which we stand. You are our cornerstone. Lord, give us the strength, the confidence, the boldness to stand firm with our anchor in you. Lord, give us the boldness and the willingness to ask you to show us your ways. Lord, soften our hearts to have an awareness of you. And Lord, hear our prayers and answer them. Where there's a desire to follow you, I know that you will fulfill that desire. Lord, I ask that you bless us and keep us, and that your face shines upon us. You give us peace. Lord, I do ask again for the hedge of protection that would be around us and protect us. Lord, I thank you again for your great love and mercy that touches us. I thank you, Lord, that while we were still sinners that you died for us to give us new life. Will our anchor hold, Lord? I know it will on your part. Help us to make sure that it's happening on our part. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, and look forward to a wonderful afternoon with all of you. Thank you.